You're listening to Threads Radio. My name's Luke Fraser, and this is The Tonic.
movements there from Maurice de Rufle's Requiem, written between 1947 and 48. And that Requiem is a pretty personal pick for me. It's a piece I've come back to again and again over the years, and often at this time of year. Okay, it's not exactly Christmas music. Yeah, it's about death rather than birth. But there is something about it that just suits the winter. And it's also another one of those pieces to be added to that bulging and ultimately paradoxical group that cannot implausibly be referred to as the most beautiful piece ever written. Certainly some people out there think it's slightly Pip's foray's better known requiem to the post in the ravishing loveliness stakes. But hey, it's not a beauty contest, and a side effect is the always potentially cloying quality that pieces like this can have if overindulged in, in which case 50 Hail Marys for you. Now, I'm not going to wade into a self-indulgent ramble on my own thoughts regarding the Catholic Church, past or present, apart from to say that I have an uneasy relationship with religious music in general. And it's uneasy, I think, because frankly, so many composers over the years have reserved some of their very best music for sacred contexts. It's hard to imagine an ebook on mindfulness inspiring quite such sublime music at any rate. And it's also uneasy because I'm not sure that context can really be stripped away or what the purpose of doing so would be anyhow. So let's stick to the facts, eh? Well, it was actually commissioned by the French Vichy regime in 1941, but not completed until 47, when the regime had of course collapsed. And perhaps curiously, it exists to this day simultaneously in three versions. The one you just heard for singers and organ, a full orchestral version with singers, and a stripped-down orchestral version. You can probably guess that the organ version is my favourite. It's somehow leaner, and that slight austerity counterbalances the lushness of the music, which can tip over a bit with the orchestral versions, I think. Stylistically, the main coup for me of the piece is to marry the text and context of the Latin Requiem Mass with Gregorian sources, particularly Gregorian chants that you hear the choir singing throughout. And that chant has, of course, a very free-flowing sense of metre, or barring, being based on phrase lengths rather than being squeezed into, say, a recurrent 4-4 box. And it gives it this free-floating feeling, which is then fleshed out with some really dazzling and often unexpected harmonies by the organ. And in reality, the barring is very much there and is continually changing. It's one of the real challenges in performing this piece, not to make it sound rigidified in that sense, but to keep the sense of looseness, even as all the musicians involved are no doubt counting like crazy. Anyhow, I think it's been brilliantly achieved in that recording there by the Vasari Singers, conducted by Jeremy Backhouse and accompanied by Jeremy Filsall on organ. It's taken from the album De Rufle Requiem, Grunwald de Profundis, and that was released on Signum in 2009. And just because, really, I'm going to play some further movements from that piece to close out this show. So if you like what you've heard so far, then of course, stay tuned. Thank you. 
Jesse Montgomery's Strum, written in 2012. I just came across the album from which that's taken, also called Strum, last month, and have been playing it loads. And Jesse Montgomery is a New York-born and based composer, violinist and teacher. She's been very active as a performer and also as a promoter and publicist for African-American, Latino and minority composers working in the States. And this is the first album in her own name, I believe, and is made up of pieces for various string contexts. String orchestra, string quartet, violin solo, and so on. No doubt due to her extensive experience as a player, there's a very effortless mastery to the string writing. It really grabs you on the first listen, but also then repays repeated listens, and there's loads of great detail within. Just a brilliantly well-balanced blend of classical music, American folk music, and elsewhere on the album, spirituals, improvisatory sources, and so forth. And that was performed by Jesse Montgomery's own Catalyst Quartet. As mentioned, the album is Strum. It was released on Azika in 2015. A brief but brilliant sliver of electroacoustic sound now. This is Beatrice Ferreira.
vuelos sobre signos y remolinos, Flight Over Signs and Swirls by Beatrice Ferreira, written in 2010. She's Argentinian, an ex-student of Ligeti and Nadia Boulanger, and she's been very active as part of GRM, the Groupe de Recherche Musicale, that collective for electronic musicians, originally established by Pierre Schaffer, and including the likes of Zanarkis, Luke Ferrari, and Bernard Parmigiani. And alongside pure electronic music, she's written quite a bit for ballet, film, and other contexts. This piece, I'm not sure if it existed separately beforehand, but it forms part of a duo with the German multimedia artist and filmmaker Jana Kluge, going by the name of Extension. And that in turn is part of Jana Kluge's series of 12 collaborations with various composers known as the Gutenberg Variations, which is a homage to Marshall McLuhan and his book The Gutenberg Galaxy, his seminal analysis of the role of mass and print media on modern culture, and, fun fact, the book which gave us the term The Global Village. I don't think it's been released on record, but the whole of the Gutenberg Variations is available to watch on Jana Kluge's YouTube channel, and I would definitely recommend checking that out.
that's got a bit of spiciness to it. That's the first movement of Georginescu's third violin sonata from 1926. Enescu, I guess, is Romania's most famous musical export, writing in the first half of the last century. I think it's reasonable to say that he was a child prodigy on both violin and piano. His talents were the stuff of legend, and in the spirit of classical composer hagiography, I should point out that he was writing and composing from the age of five, the only true mark of a good musician after all. And in fact, the inevitable Mozartian connection was later provided by the cellist Pablo Casals, who described him as being the greatest musical phenomenon since you-know-who. His music incorporated, and here's the spiciness, a lot of Romanian folk music and foregrounded that aspect, fitting it into the framework of a central European classical style that was itself influenced by composers such as Brahms, Enescu's early idol. But his reach extended beyond as well. He later developed a fascination for the music of Southeast Asia, particularly Javanese and Balinese gamelan, for example. It seems strange that he has not become far better known. It's probably got something to do with the limitations put in place by the division of Europe in the aftermath of World War II, and also Inescu's modesty and apparent lack of interest in any form of self-promotion. But I think there's the sense that things are starting to change at the moment. Works of his are being rediscovered, new premieres given, and I think over time there's going to be a bit of a repraisal due. The third violin sonata, at any rate, is one of his most well-known pieces. It's subtitled in a Romanian folk style, and it's just got a lovely, free-flowing, almost semi-improvisatory quality to the violin writing, which belies the fact that it is in fact meticulously notated, with almost every note having its own performance marking, making it potentially overwhelming, or at least very challenging for a performer. Again, a bit like the Drouflet, the trick is in making all that directedness sound relaxed and effortless. And it's a brilliant performance there by Patricia Kopachinskaya on violin and Michaela Ursuliza on piano. That was released on the album Rhapsodia on the label Naive in 2010. So next, another personal favourite of mine, Why Not? And some pieces that take me right back.
selections there from Leos Janacek's On an Overgrown Path, written between 1900 and 1911. You heard Our Evenings, A Blown Away Leaf, The Madonna of Friedeck, Words Fail, Good Night, and The Barn Owl Has Not Flown Away. So Janacek, Czech of course, and now very well known I think for his fusion of European classical composers such as Dvorak with Slavic and Moravian folk musics. He was an ethnomusicologist as much as a composer and really creating a very unique hybrid in the process. And these pieces are probably his most well-loved piano works from an admittedly relatively small output. They fall into a cycle spread over two books, the second never finished, written between 1900 and 1912. And they're based on Moravian folk sources and were originally written for harmonium. And you can catch some videos of the harmonium version online, which definitely gives them a very rootsy feel that, to be fair, is somewhat lost with the piano version, despite the gains that are also made there. Janacek's got a strange musical biography. Those pieces were written in his later years, whilst he was still almost completely unknown as a composer, apparently even within his native Moravia. This was pre the formation of the now former Czechoslovakia. But at which point he seemingly almost inexplicably created a series of masterpieces for which he is now known, the Sinfonietta, the opera's Unufa, and the cunning little vixen, and so on. And this artistic outpouring was said in part to be inspired both by the recent death of his second child, and also his unrequited love for a much younger woman. And the family tragedy in particular seems to hang over the pages of these piano pieces, which have a remarkable sense of intimacy to them, and to me the constant feeling of tumultuous emotion being held in check. I should be careful to try and disassociate my own nostalgia for them from my current view, but I think it is fair to say that no matter where you are approaching them from, they are extremely evocative, very direct, and never anything other than economical, with the relaying of what might be called their poetic or descriptive ideas. And above all, they seem to speak to me of the magic and ultimately the mystery of childhood. There is also a very interesting stylistic logic to them that's not really like anything else I've come across. Yes, they're melodic coming out as they are of 19th century romanticism, but they're also remarkably modernistic, even minimalistic, considering the time in which they were written, with looping aphoristic repetitions and hypnotic changes of meter. That was performed by Clara Wurtz on piano and taken from her album Janacek Kodai Piano Music, put out on the label Piano Classics in 2016.
the brilliant gloom of Anna Thorsvald's Dottir's trajectories from 2014. She's Icelandic from Borganes. She studied in the US and is now based in London. And she's now emerging as a major figure in certainly the Nordic and also no doubt international composition scenes. Her music is often referred to as having a quality very evocative of landscape. Of course, the Icelandic one, I think. And I think some of this comes about as the result of her concern with natural processes and systems in her writing. She said that you get structural hints from nature about how to work with your material. And her music often seems to start from the process of drawing or sketching her ideas first before turning them into sound. This piece, Trajectories, stood out to me from amongst other great pieces on her album Aerial. It's actually a collaborative work for piano, electronics and projection and was commissioned by the Reykjavik Center for Visual Arts. And you can see some of what I think is the original performance with visuals online. It's just got a brilliantly bleak quality, I think, and have to really stop banding around the phrase pure atmosphere about various pieces on this show. But I mean, come on. That was performed by Tina Thorstein's Dottir on piano, with Anna Thorsvald's Dottir Electronics, and Sigurda Goyunsen on visuals. Apologies for pronunciation there. And as mentioned, the album is Aerial. It was released on Deutsch Grammophone in 2015.
a classic there from Jean-Claude Risset. That's his Mutations from 1969. And Risset, who died just a couple of years ago, was a real pioneer of electronic music, as well as heading up the computer department at ERCAM in Paris. He was one of the pioneers of FM synthesis and spectral analysis, and really started to bring synthesis across the pond to Europe from where it had originally been developed by Risset's teacher, the legendary Max Matthews, in his work at Bell Laboratories. Risset will also be remembered beyond academic electronic music circles, I think, for creating the so-called Shepard Risset scale, a kind of auditory illusion in which a scale seems to ascend in pitch infinitely, along with the Risset rhythm, in which a drumbeat appears to speed up or slow down indefinitely. These are both great fun to listen to, and challenging in a way that reaches beyond music and into the wider realm of questions surrounding human perception in general. And this piece, Mutations, as far as I can understand the theory behind it, takes as its starting point a discontinuous pitch scale, and then proceeds to transform it from first melody to harmony, and then timbre or pure sound quality. I think the piece is also, if I'm not mistaken, the very first to make use of FM synthesis, as had recently been developed by John Chowning. Revolutionary at the time, this was a technique in which the frequency of a modulating signal controls a second carrier signal. And the power of the technique was that it opened up a whole new world of sounds at far lesser computational and labour cost than previous techniques such as additive synthesis, in which, as you might guess, waveforms needed to be manually added together to create a blended output. And today, FM synthesis forms a backbone of electronic music across all genres and platforms. That was originally released on the album Mutations, put out by GRM in 1978.
Rave by Molly Joyce from 2015. She's a New York, I think, based composer, very much emerging at the moment. She describes her work as being mainly concerned with disability as a creative source. She lost much of the use of her left hand in a car accident a few years back and was seemingly at a crossroads as to whether to continue with music at all. She composes and performs a lot now on a vintage toy organ, which I think is light enough in touch for her to operate. And she's talked about both her technique and her approach towards this disability in a recent TED talk. That piece, Rave for Piano and Pre-Recorded Electronics, has something of the minimalist energy and approach of both Bang on a Can style music and the Dutch school of Louis Andreessen and his acolytes. Tellingly, she studied with both David Lang of Bang on a Can and at the Royal Conservatory in The Hague. And it explores mainly the sonic relationship between the piano and the electronics. I think the idea is that as the piece progresses, the roles of each effectively cross over. And certainly the piano gets a lot more frenetic and also the electronics seem to increase in intensity to potentially supplant the live performer altogether. It was originally commissioned and recorded by the pianist Vicky Chow, though the version you heard there was performed by Benjamin Powell of the Pasapha Ensemble, and that was put out on their YouTube channel in 2018. And as mentioned, to close out this show, some more movements from De Rufle's Requiem. Oh, no. 
further movements from Maurice de Rufle's Requiem. That was the Sanctus and Benedictus, Lux Eterna, Agnus Dei, Libera Me, and In Paradisum. So that's it for another episode of The Tonic. Just like to give a shout out to Nick in particular, and also to everyone at Threads for hosting this show over the past 15 months or so. It's just been great to be doing it. I'm Luke Fraser, and as always, thank you for listening.